What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy, what day is it? Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep, Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. My name is Tyler Walters alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Uh, Good. Um, First, knee-jerk reaction from the Super Bowl. Give me like three words. What you got? Three words. So what was your, just give me like a sentence. What was your biggest takeaway? I freaking love Pat. Well, obviously, the year of the black quarterback, I've been hashtagging. I hope you all been seeing him on the Twitter account. And Pat, it really has been, dude. It yeah. really is. Yeah. MVP, it. Super Bowl MVP. It's crazy. And Pat Mahomes, boy, that's, that's, what, that's my uh, that's my spill. Pat Mahomes, boy. Pat Mahomes, boy. Um, yeah. Pat Mahomes. I, I wrote down, like, my first note. Jimmy Good. Like, Pat, great. There's yeah. a difference in, like, fourth quarter quarterbacks, and we talk about it all the time with Brady. Um. It's you can't like you need someone to win you a game at the end of a football game, not someone to throw up. Uh, what you do in the first fifty minutes doesn't really matter. That's what I was just about to, to say. It's like it's all about what you do whenever it matters the most. Because I noticed during this game, I didn't. It's funny. I didn't really realize how bad of a, a game Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, I call him Jimmy G, but uh, how bad of a game he had until well, I was he had just, a great. That's what game I was thinking. The fourth quarter. Because I was like, he almost outplayed him until that fourth quarter. I hate. I know he's gonna look back this offseason, look at that uh, ball to the guy from Denver. What's his name? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, the end of the that game. Oh, my gosh. You know, you practice at the hundreds and thousands of those deep throws, and it's like the one where you need it the most. He's beating both guys. I think he beat the corner and the safety. He just can't connect on it. Yep. All right, so obviously we're starting off today, Super Bowl 54, Sunday night in Miami. Uh, I felt leading up to the game, it's kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Did you have the same kind of feeling going in? There wasn't as much, like, Super Bowl buzz yeah. as there normally is. Yeah. And I think it's it, it's just because we've been, as a football-loving country, we've been riding high on the Patriots, like high as in like attractiveness as game. Like you either hate them, the Patriots polarizing. You you hate them or you love them. Yeah. So, and I love watching the Patriots. Um, and for me, it's an opportunity every time they take the field to see – the greatest sports dynasty of all time get a little better. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just, you're like, I'm the most of my sports watching prime of my life. Like I would say your sports watching prime is when you're like seven to like 15, right? When you start to fall in love with sports and then you literally have nothing else going on in your life. So why are you not like, <laughs> watching sports every single day? Like, and you start to fall in love with players and stuff like for everyone around our age that, that happened to, like with the Patriots. So you those ties to like the Patriots either like hatred or like love for certain players or the whole team. It's kind of built into that and the Patriots just extended that throughout now, you know, my college years and going forward probably still. It's kind of weird to like not see them in the uh It is. It's like, oh, Bill Belichick's not on the sideline. He's not walking the team out. Tom Brady's not dabbing up, I guess Randy so Marsh or whoever. Coach, Belichick is coached in like 20 Three percent of Super Bowls or something like that. That is insane. The fact that you can put a percentage on number of games one single guy is coached, and there's been fifty four of them, so it's not like the World Series where there's been a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you still, when you can put a percentage, and that percentage is greater than like four, like it's it's just that's a weird. That's still my favorite Super Bowl stat of all time. Was I don't know what the percentage is now, but three Super Bowls ago. And so they played in two since then. Was that Belichick had played or coached in nineteen percent of Super Bowls of all time? Which yes, is, it's ridiculous. The game that you grow up probably enjoying playing or coaching, whatever you literally have made an impact on. This is the epitome of why you guys go to the Hall of Fame, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but Chiefs win thirty-one twenty. Uh, shout out! Do you know? I know you're not much of a baseball guy. Do you know who Aaron Boone is? Boone sounds very familiar. Okay, so he's the Yankees uh, manager. He tweeted out before the game, at 6 o'clock, game started at 6.30, 6.35, Chiefs 31-20. It's crazy. So uh, as much as I hate Aaron Boone, and I think he sucks as a manager. He's spot on the NFL. He's, 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 a, pretty good, he's a pretty good analyst. I'll give him that. Uh, or a pretty good guess. Uh, but, yeah, Jimmy G, very good until the fourth quarter when it mattered. I mean, we were looking at the game. At one point, he's 15 for 17. I'm like, damn, he's only thrown two incomplete passes. Yeah. One of them was a pick. 
So I guess he'd only thrown one incomplete pass. He's kind of um, notorious for throwing at least one one at least one interception a game where it's like as long as the defense catches the ball, don't get an interception. But like you said, for the most part. We just talked about his like completion percentage in all last week, and he's like averaging league. I think he was 12. Yeah. And he was, like you said, outplayed Mahomes until the fourth quarter, I thought for sure. And I think if uh, the 49ers would won a Super Bowl, Debo probably would have gotten the MVP. I do too. I had that written down to ask you about. Um, I thought Debo was – gonna win but it would be a little contentious if the super if the 49ers would say to hold on 20 to 10 yeah um Debo would still win but because he's such a like Debo has kind of become a fan favorite and it's probably because his name is Debo right and even like fans of the NFL not 49ers like you hear like a name like Debo you're like oh yeah I remember watching Friday when I was growing up so like I kind of like this guy it's kind of funny and he's a really good player he's like electric he's like those slot, like, slash, they're not really, like, slot guys anymore. They're more, like, explosive play receivers. Yeah. Like, he's in that category where he's not making a lot of, like, he's not a 5-yard, 10-yard receiver. He's 30 yards. Yeah. Play blows up in the backfield. Or let's run some trickery. Debo's, Debo's that guy who's going to run. He's like that explosive play receiver. Yeah, he's like, they get him in open space, and sometimes it's like they almost like they're running kind of backwards, and it's like then he, he gets going. Weird he, stuff the other night. Yeah, some of the formation stuff, both teams were. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you said that. One of the Chiefs, one of the touchdowns, I think I sent that to you guys earlier, was inspired by the New Year's Day 1948. It was Rose the Rose Bowl, Bowl yeah, versus Michigan USC. Who Michigan did? won what, like forty-eight to nothing, forty-seven to nothing. Yeah, I'm they pretty sure. That's crazy to think how much of a student of the student of the game these coaches and uh, the coach obviously introduced him, but probably the players are too. It's like wait, nineteen, like we're going, y'all going back to look at the film in nineteen forty-eight to come up with something that worked. But yeah, I noticed that. I was looking at this game. I was like, where the devil did they get these formations from? Weird, yeah, lots of weird packages. Also, like before that play, they were in like a clap spin, like uh, yeah, yeah, the clap spin. joke on Twitter was that they're you know. A boy band, sink or the Backstreet Boys, but yeah, it's that was weird. I saw that and I was like, "What am I watching? Like synchronized swimming right now?" Yeah, and I mean it worked, but it, from one yard, like in any play, a lot of plays would have worked. Like they could have just quarterback snuck it with Mahomes, and he probably would have scored. Um, but yeah, it was back to like what we were talking about a second ago with Jimmy G. Good until the fourth quarter. So with two thirty-five left in the third quarter. Uh, I think at that point he had had two incompletions. Then he go maybe maybe a couple more. He goes uh, from two thirty five until the end of the game, twelve yards incomplete 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 eight yards sixteen yards incomplete 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 interception. That was the last two minutes of the third quarter and all the fourth quarter for Jimmy G. And the guy that caught interception, Bashar Breeland, we had just talked about from Clemson. Allendale, South Carolina. Yeah. Clemson had a lot of players. Dorian O'Daniel, who Three had guys. made the play on kickoff. You had, uh, obviously, Sammy Watkins, who beat Richard Sherman on a D- – Bad night for Richard Sherman. Terrible. Richard I think Sherman, it was, bad day. And I'm pretty sure it's cover one, so it's only one safety high. And so it's you and him. <laughs> Sammy made something happen. It's like – I know – I feel like as soon as Sherman saw his beat, it's like, oh, God. Because, you know, Patrick Patrick Mahomes, I always call him Mick Holmes. But Patrick Mahomes is going to find the guy open. So it's like, God, you hate to see it. And, you know, but as a cornerback, you're responsible for having a uh, short memory. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was – when he got beat on those plays, like the first thing I did was go – when he got smoked on the first one was – Go find Darrell Rivas on Twitter. I said that, too. He didn't, I didn't see anything last night. I haven't checked today. Today is Monday as we're recording. So I didn't see anything today, and I'm sure I would have because if you logged on Twitter today and Darrell Reeves had said something and you follow anyone in football, it would have been the first thing to pop up your That's timeline. exactly because I was in Super Bowl commercials class, and then uh, we were all sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I know Darrell Reeves is having a field day. Like, oh, okay, you're the best corner this, that, and Yeah, we're going to get to your ads class in a second. Don't worry, Matthew. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> We uh, yeah, it was out like that was hilarious. And while I was looking for Darrell Reeves' comments, he had some. He had a little praise about Stephon Gilmore, who won NFL uh, Defensive Player of the Year the other night. First um, time for a South Carolina player, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So Gilmore had another. He had. He didn't like finish the season that great. Um, I think a lot of people thought that he kind of was gonna lose it at the end of the season for yep. himself. But I think just his first, you know. 15 games, 16 games. Dominant. Like, were so good that you couldn't really take it away from him. Like, his opponent's QBR, I saw a stat, I don't even remember exactly what it is, but against 
the biggest names, there was a list of like 15 receivers in the uh, NFL, some of the biggest receivers out there. The completion percentage when uh, Stephon Gilmore was covering them to those uh, targeted players was like 20%. And just to be clear, does he travel with the best receiver like from sideline to sideline? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So if that he's, is... He's gonna, like if you're playing the Pats and you're OBJ, you're, I don't know, like Larry Fitzgerald from 2012. Or like any of those type of receivers, like you're coming in with a name, you're you're unlocked. That's a hard job. It's like, yo, that's the best guy. They pay him eighteen million, sixteen, however he much. He was on Sammy he, at one point this year. That's crazy. He makes it happen. So, uh, big shout out to him. Which his little brother? I wonder how good his little brother is. I think he's at Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. I wonder how. Obviously, that's a big name to uh, fill yeah. into. Yeah. Um. So what we had, and while we're on awards, Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year. And Lamar obviously won MVP, yeah. like, which we have no problems with. We surprise anybody. Uh, Bosa won Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Kyler won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Nick Bosa won? Yeah. And he played well in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, just, I just felt like in the fourth quarter what was, in, what was going to end up was happening was Patrick Mahomes was going to drop back, and when they needed the most, Nick Bosa was going to make the sack, and then he was going to get yeah, it. I just felt too. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and also, real quick, uh, did you see a 30 for 30, Michael Vick? No, I didn't watch it yet. Oh my goodness! Let's, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll we'll All talk right. about that like next Monday. We'll save it and we'll, we'll watch it. So if you don't, uh, if you haven't seen the thirty for thirty on Michael Vick yet, go watch it some point this week and we'll talk about it like next Monday. Part two drops on the sixth, so check that one out too. Okay, when's the sixth? The Thursday. sixth is Thursday. Yep. All right, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, Monday next yeah, Monday then. Yeah, That'll, we'll do parts one and two. But yeah, so in the Lamar uh, offensive rookie of the year it was Kyler, which I don't. Was Josh Jacobs not a rookie this year? He was. Yeah, he was. Like, I, I would have taken him over Kyler. There was a lot of other guys that would have taken over Kyler. Yeah. Uh, but Kyler's a quarterback, so. They love kinda, the NFL's quarterbacks. Yeah, so it's quarterbacks league. Um, I think, like, that, it just sets up for it. Like, if you're a quarterback and you have a decent season, or if you're just, I think Kyler just benefited from not being as bad as people thought things in Arizona. There you go. Not that people thought he would be bad. I think people just assumed that in Arizona it would be they wouldn't win a game, and they were close in a lot of games, and they ended up, what, winning three, four, which isn't a lot, and they had to tie with the Lions to start the season. But they were competitive in almost every game. So yeah. That, like, I think that does a lot for Kyler and that whole experience in the desert, experiment in the desert um, going on right now. But, yeah, what I was saying about Gilmore was that Revis, um, Revis said, yeah, like someone asked him about, uh, Gilmore getting the award, and Revis said, "I have no problems with Gilmore because he plays true man to man." Right. So, which is obviously a little shot at Richard Sherman, which is his, which was his talk about Richard Sherman is that Richard doesn't, he doesn't follow receivers to sides of the field. He only plays the left side of the field. Like he's a, he benefits from being in the zone. Like everything's not on him. Like he can't cover like Darrell Revis could, and Darrell Revis is tired of getting his name dragged around in the same loop. Is Richard Sherman? Yeah, because Richard Sherman's not the caliber of corner that he is. Um, which I mean, there's something to that, like for sure. Uh, but like we said last week, like Richard Sherman's still like a really damn good yeah, football player. Yeah, pretty darn good guy. Yeah, and, and Richard Sherman is not the guy. Like you might, if you're a receiver, you probably rather go up against Richard Sherman on the field, off the field. You don't want to get in a trash talking fight with him. I mean, we yeah. talked about that last week too. Yeah, he does research. Um, but yeah, and, and like. We're going go, going back to the Super Bowl, like Mahomes in the fourth quarter, comparing him to Jimmy G. There was just like no comparison. Mahomes turned it on, and they needed it. Like we, I kept waiting the whole game for Mahomes to kind of wake going. up. But yeah, like, he wasn't doing bad. He just wasn't doing good. Um, it, like he was okay. The defenses on both sides played great in the first half. Ten points to either side. Uh, in in the second half, Mahomes or in the fourth quarter. More importantly, Mahomes just turned it on. And, like, he's like, all right, I got Tyreek Hill. I got uh, Travis Kelsey. I got Sammy Watkins. I got Damian Williams. Um, Even Demarcus Robinson, he went to Florida, by the way. He was supposed to go to Clemson. He was down between those two, but he ended up yeah. So, even he's a he's a pretty good receiver to have as, like, your fourth, fifth string guy. Very good. Yeah. So, it, like, he was like, all right, let's just wake up and start moving the ball around and let me be Patrick Mahomes and pick this defense apart. Um, because they've been beating my behind all game, but I need to rise above that. And he did. I love seeing him run the ball a little bit, too, getting out yeah. there. He took some hits. 
Oh, he took I mean, some Mahomes hits. takes some hits. Yeah, but I like to see him run the ball. It's always interesting to me how fast he is. Because he, like, he has pretty good football speed like when he needs it. Yes. I don't know how well that's represented in his 40-yard dash. But definitely like when he needs it. And one time when he was running, he had that ball out. I'm like, dude, you're running in the middle of the he field. Did, he, got, he fumbled like near the <sighs> near the goal line, right? Yeah. And, and, but it went out of bounds. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, like that could have been really bad. Because, you know, most times, especially as a quarterback, he runs. That scares that me with quarterbacks. Lamar does that sometimes, too. A yeah. lot of times it's here like – Sticking the football out like you're just running it with your arm stuck straight out. I'm like, why are you not covering <laughs> this thing? Like you're holding the most precious thing in the On game of football. Field. Like you need to be covering the football if you're going to take off run. Like I love to watch quarterbacks run, but I also want my quarterbacks to protect the football. Like you got to be, if you're a runner, be a runner and cover that football. Exactly. Um, let's go. Let's go, Kyle Shanahan, real quick, because he's catching a lot of crap for blowing another fourth quarter Super Bowl lead. Uh, people pinning the Falcons lost 28-3 with the Patriots a few years ago on him. I, you can't entirely – you can blame that on Shanahan, but he wasn't the head coach. And when your defense gives up three scores in the fourth quarter, like you could have made better offensive play calls. When your defense gives up three scores in the fourth quarter, like – a lot of blame gets pushed off on him for that when it should not get pushed off on him for that. Yeah. And I don't like the narrative that we're starting now that Kyle Shanahan is, was an offensive coordinator in a game three years ago. The biggest upset in, or the biggest fourth quarter surprise in football history. Um, not, I mean, not even including everything outside of Super Bowls. I mean, Super Bowl weighs into it a lot more. But you'll, you're never going to see a comeback in a big game like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's like we don't need to push that on Kyle Shanahan. This one, I. I think again, like you just like you were just playing Patrick Mahomes. This is about the same. Defense say. didn't do its job when it, when you need it. Like you need stops. Offense doesn't always work. Defense wins championships, and his defense at the end of the game failed him last night. Yeah, as good as Patrick Mahomes was, like your defense has to counteract counteract that. Yeah, I was about to say your defense kind of folded on him, and then like you said, you're playing an outlier. Like you're playing Pat Mahomes. Like it, that sometimes stuff like that happens. That deep ball he had to Tyreek Hill was it was obviously a great throw, but the thing that was crazy was he kind of threw it off his wrong leg. I think it was like he kind of threw it off the I guess you could say the right. It's, it can get confusing, but anyway, deep ball is amazing. But yeah, he's an outlier. Like you can't blame it on him, but you know after you lose Super Bowl, everybody's looking for somebody to blame, especially sure. like you said. Like, I think it's a team like it's a true it was a true team loss. So yeah, you guys you didn't do what you needed to do in the fourth quarter to win football game. You played a great forty five minutes. You didn't play a good sixty. Like it's that's I mean that's basic. Part of coaching, most basic part of football, like play sixty minutes. If this was college, if this was college, I would say they'll be say that in off season program they'll emphasize that. Yes. But with this being the NFL, everybody's heading out to their own trainers. Everybody heading out to whatever country they want to go to for vacation. But yeah, I'm sure they'll have this around the uh, San Francisco building. Finish the game. Absolutely, uh, Andy Reid. After the game, on the other hand, this is an Andy Reid quote. I'm gonna go get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen, and he said it with a few, mumbled a few other words because might be a double. Where does he get this whole cheeseburger thing? Dude, this guy just loves cheeseburgers. He's got a quarterback that's obsessed with ketchup, and <laughs> he's obsessed with cheese. I mean, he looks like he's Andy Reid, Hall of Fame cheeseburger eater, probably like unanimous vote. Yeah, day one decision. Andy Reid, Hall of Fame cheeseburger, Hall of Fame. Like he him and Jimmy vote. Buffett. He gets the lead block vote. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I that was phenomenal. I'm so happy. For Andy Reid, uh, the White House is preparing a billion double quarter pounders for Andy Reid when if he goes to make a visit to the White House. Yeah, like you best believe that the year he's gonna have hamburgers at the White House. Like that's been the thing the last couple of years. But like, you know Andy Reid <laughs> for sure. No, yeah, he will be fully accommodated for. Um, but yeah, Andy Reid like just put a stamp on his Hall of Fame career with Sunday night, and, and I mean you got to be happy for him. Like he's one of the best coaches in the league for a long time. And he finally got to the top of the mountain and actually did it when he's seen other guys who have come off his coaching tree do it. And he just didn't. It's like a finally, like a breath of fresh air for him. Yeah, he's not going to be one of those guys. It's like, he is such a great coach. Or like, you know, they say the same thing about players. He's a great player, but he didn't win any championships. It's like, he already has that one his belt. But yeah, yeah, so. He got it. He got it. And oh, like he's going to have a good chance to win another one next year. And probably the year after that. They're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes, I think, this year. They, they say it's either this year or they might try to hold off next year. If he waits the next year, probably get more money. I think but, Pat Mahomes wants to be in Kansas City. Like, he looks like a lifer kind of guy. Like, definitely. He seems like that. And, I mean, why would you not want to be in Kansas City with what's around you and you just want a Super Bowl and you seem to have a great relationship with your coach 
and everything sets up for you in Kansas City, why would you not want to be continue to be a part of that? Yeah, I think he'll as long as possible. Probably, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Mahomes' stat, final stat line from the other night, 26-42, 286 yards, two TDs, two picks. It's like it doesn't jump off the page at you as the best game of all time. Like, But fourth quarter where it counted, he was really good. And nine carries for 29 yards in touch, then that, that matters. Yeah, I mean, his, some of his carries are very important. So, yeah, good point. Uh, his one that he did lose the ball on could have been a lot more important than it was. If he drops that ball that, and they lose that game. And I lose my money, it would be horrible. <laughs> That's everywhere today. Super Bowl MVP for Pat Mahomes, uh, which I agreed with. Did you? Yeah, youngest you player to ever anybody. have a Super Bowl MVP and a uh, – MVP? Regular season MVP? Boom. We'll see. If Lamar wins Super Bowl MVP next year, we'll rewrite that real quick. All right. Um, Ian will be happy. Uh, yeah, he will. Rashad Fenton, South Carolina. He's from – Rashad Fenton, South Carolina corner. He's from uh, – Miami safety, area. From the Miami area. Worked at Hard Rock Stadium and – Won a championship there and played most almost all downs for uh, the Chiefs the other night. I don't know why the commentators hate him. Uh, <laughs> Joe Buck called him Rashad Felton the other night. So, but yeah, Fenton. That was a really cool story. So, if you want to go read a cool story about a guy uh, who had a weird like sense of coming home, Rashad Fenton is a good story out there to read this week. Yeah. Um, let's get to your ad class. Your, your, what was your best commercial of the night? I want to know. So if you, if you, here at the University of South Carolina, if you are in the journalism school or school of mass communications, any capacity, you have the opportunity to take. Uh, is it still four twenty eight? Oh, not hundred percent sure. All right. Well, when I took it, it was J four twenty eight Super Bowl ads. So basically, you watch the Super Bowl on a, a thousand inch screen. Yeah. In a class with a hundred people, the food food was good, right? Excellent. They have a great spread for you, uh, but you are watching ads. And grading them after each ad, you you do a grade, and that junk got annoying too. Oh yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> but and like at the end of the night, uh, you they tally up the votes. Whichever Super Bowl ad got rated the highest by the most amount of people wins a little award. And typically, they have the the school has uh, whoever created the commercial from whatever advertising a- agency come in and talk about the Super Bowl commercial. And making ads um, just in general to mostly advertising students. But like I said, just anyone kind of in the MassCom school. So it's a cool concept slash class. It's a weird place to watch the Super Bowl. But, I mean, it's a great screen. Like yeah. Uh, what so Matthew is... graded every commercial the other night. If you were wanting to know what he was doing Sunday. Yeah, it was, so, it was funny to because. Football between commercials. It was funny because at one point, like, I went to go get some extra food. And they're like, you're going to miss commercial. I'm like, one of the 80. Like, get out of my way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, planners won it. Uh, planners, oh, Doritos came in second. Ty came wait, in what's third. It, it's called the cocky, right? Uh, the cocky award. I don't. Yes, yeah, something yeah, like something. that. It's a little statue of cocky. It's pretty yeah. Cool. So they won. Uh, number one, Doritos came in second. Ty came in third. Personally, I like the Josh Jacobs commercial. I think that was Kia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that one. That one to me was weird though. What'd you mean? He just pops out Kia out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it was a cool story. Then boom, it has nothing to do with Kia. Then it was a Kia. <laughs> I thought the Bill Murray one was good. Did you like the Jeep? That was like the Jeep Renegade. Yeah. Have you ever seen Groundhog Day? No. Okay. That's, that's all right. You would maybe like it if you've seen Groundhog Day. I think it came out like the 80s or 90s. Fantastic Bill Murray movie. Uh, it's probably on every channel all week because of Groundhog Day was Sunday. But yeah, that one was good. And I like the the nut planners was weird. Yeah. Um, and... God, there was one other one that I liked that I can't remember, but yeah, I can't remember all of them either. My favorite commercial of all time though was little, I think it was LeBron and Drake. They had the one with Sprite, and then uh, Drake uh, yeah, was singing the song that. forever. That is undefeated. I, I always love that commercial the most. But so uh, also Fast and Furious. You a Fast and Furious fan? I don't. Uh, Brendan likes Fast and Furious. Brendan likes Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious guy. Good never, man. Never Good seen man. a second of any of it. Oh my gosh, we were worried. the next one's coming out in May. So Top Gun though, I saw two trailers. Top Gun. Yeah. I'll be watching that. I'll probably go watch that with my dad when it comes out. He loves Top Gun's like his favorite movie of all time. Okay. Bond. I'll be in theaters like the okay. second Bond comes out. <laughs> Opening night. This is, yeah. Daniel Craig, hands down the best James Bond there's ever been. Uh, like I don't have, don't care to have the discussion about Sean Connery. If you think Sean Connery is better, go back and watch those movies in 2020 and tell me those movies hold up like Daniel Craig's will 20 years from now. Because <laughs> they won't. Um, but yeah, it, that's gonna be exciting for me. And but yeah, other than that, like whatever. We're gonna go. We're gonna go over our prop bets real quick. We made these on Friday. Yep. Uh, 
so we didn't win lots of corn toss right off off the bat tails was it was tails matt and i went to heads not a good start uh i know you went over on the length of the national anthem which yeah. was like two minutes and three seconds it was it was way under demi crushed it i had that uh first touchdown was scored by mahomes did you have mahomes on that no i had that uh the 49ers that's right i had debo um oh at 84 a born yes I Mostert four yards for his first rush. I think you said five or six. Yeah, had two. One. Yeah, two. Yeah, uh, Chiefs with receptions. Number of different individual Chiefs with seven. receptions. I said seven. It was six. Ah, close so enough. So you went seven too, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Jimmy G completion to start of the game. We both got that one right. Just like we said, small play. Uh, over under on Mahomes TDs. That was the easiest over of all time. Yeah. He ended up with three. Um, Kelsey and Kittle, under 149 and a half yards. I had under, you had over. Uh, longest touchdown by yards. If Kittle would have had that, I wonder if Kittle would, they would have had Kittle that. did make a big catch, and I think it would have put him close. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, we, I had the Chiefs for longest touchdowns by yards. Yeah, I think you had the Chiefs too, which they did. 38-yard um, rushing touchdown. Either team trailing by 10 or more in the fourth quarter. We both said no, and it was yes because obviously – Score ended up 10 points. Apart. I would have never expect the 49ers yeah. to have been up like that. Uh, total offensive yards, 748 total. I had 767. I think you had close to 800 or something. Yeah, I think I had like 750 or 800. Yeah, and then last one. We'll, we'll kind of skip to the to the rest, to the end of them here. Gatorade color of all the colors. What color was it? All the colors. Matthew Anderson picked the orange. And it was orange. I knew it. So... I knew it. My Twitter scoop didn't do me too well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we did okay on those. We'll have to we'll have to count them up. But prop bets, like Super Bowl prop bets, are so much fun. Yeah, they're, they're incredible fun. Um, Ian, as a matter of fact, Ian did a lot of bets, kind of like this, but props. his was for money. I think he lost around two hundred dollars. That's tough. So he was very upset in the room. So our Ravens guy Ian is is out to Hundo and Super Bowl props. I mean, he should have been in the room for the lead B. Bazinga. Should have should have took our advice uh, the other day. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on from the Super Bowl and talk a little about some things that are happening around college football. Number one, a guy we talked about a couple weeks ago for something different that he said, or I guess he tweeted it then. But Deion Sanders hops on the Dan Patrick show last week, and we didn't talk about this because we last week because we had our Super Bowl preview and we kept it at that Friday. Yeah. But he goes on the Dan Patrick show and says, I'll be a college coach. Somewhere next year. Patrick says, where? He says, somewhere. I'm definite of that. I'm, I'm assured that I am. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, Deion Sanders is 100% set he's going to be a college football coach next year. I'm, I'm not sure if he means this year upcoming. I think he means 2021. Yeah, I think so, because his son will be a, would have graduated, and, you know, he's one of the highly talented quarterbacks. So, it's kind of like name? when his son leaves Shador Sanders. That's right. And so, it's like when Shador leaves, he's ready to go, too. Okay. So, he's probably just holding out for there. As confident as he was saying that on, I guess it was national TV, but national radio, whatever you want to say, I think he will be. I would be very interested to see what level it's going to be at. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Dion can get a coaching job somewhere. Like, if you're asking him if he calls up Charleston Southern uh, in North Charleston, South Carolina, and says, hey, I want to come be your football coach. Charleston Southern should probably say, yes, Deion yeah. Sanders, please come be our football coach. Be in their best interest. Uh, if he calls Florida and says, hey, I'd like to be your football coach, they're going to say, go screw yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like I don't see him coming to – if he does come to a college football – like. First of all, let me ask, how weird do you think this is to begin with? Do you think he's far off Wait, or at all? Do you, you think he's, he's off base at all? Do you think he's crazy? No, nah, I think especially the fact that he probably can get some really great assistance in there. And so, like, if he goes in there, it'd be like, because all right now he's been coaching at the high school level. Yep. And so he's like, okay, so if I go to the college level, I can bring some great coaches who probably coach, you know, at I'm the – uh, at the uh, Division One level, wherever the case may be. So I feel like he's not bluffing. I feel like he might. I don't think it's that far-fetched at all. Yeah, I think he might land somewhere out there, like in that in the SMU, West. the AACE, that type of conference, especially to start off with, especially because he'll be upgrading from high school to being like the CEO. So it's like we'll start there. Yeah, so he's been at what? Trent, what is it? What's it called? Trinity Christian, uh, yeah. Cedar Hill. Before they the last prep, yeah. Yeah, with the last three years uh, with his son, they won three straight state championships. Um, so he's having – a like a 
a pretty good time there. He's he's offensive coordinator. There. Correct. So like yeah, I think he could get. Uh, this is the way you have to look at this: is if you're Dion and if you're colleges and if you're the media is look to. I mean, it's not quite as similar, but look to Herm Edwards as someone who was in the public eye as much as Dion is, like in a similar sense. Like they're on shows on Sundays and Saturdays. Like they're not number. They're not like the biggest faced in TV, but you know them when they come on your screen. Like they're you've seen them on your screen like all the time. Uh, you know their voice, like you know they do things around football. Now Dion does more with football day to day than Herm did when yeah. he was at ESPN for sure. Um, but Herm's had a little success in the desert. Like I would say, just as much as any other coach they could have hired would. Uh, and Dion goes somewhere similar to that, somewhere in Texas. Um, it's not going to be in the SEC. It's, I mean, it could be in the ACC. Like if you're anyone in the ACC other than Clemson, you should be knocking on, knocking down Dion Sanders' <laughs> door to get him to come to your school because you, everyone in the ACC stinks right now. Yeah. Uh, and one of those schools we get to in a second just made a big move, but it's like, it's not that far off for me that Dion could go to the next level and start at a smaller school and work his way up. Um, and being a coach, like he's obviously going to be a huge influence in recruiting. But when you have Deion Sanders come sit in your living room, you are at the perfect age right now to where dads of 18-year-olds would love Deion Sanders. Yeah. Like Deion Sanders was, they remember all of Deion Sanders' career. Like they watched him every day. Like they watched him play baseball. They watched him play football. They watched Deion be primetime. Yeah, like, as a matter of fact, one of my uncles, uh, no matter what football game we're watching, no matter what time, it, NFL, college, high school, he always references, like, Deion Sanders. i tell you what, he was the fastest cornerback to ever play this game. Interception, you couldn't throw to his side. And he that says is, that That nine, is the generation of parents you have right now exactly. with 18 so they'll be excited to see him come to the room. Also, him being the CEO, that'll be interesting because, like I said, he'll get the position, the coaches, the offensive coordinators, whoever they will be, and he'll just kind of run the operation, kind of like maybe like a coach ed type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of I mean, I think that's the way coaching is going. Yeah. Like you're seeing less and less X's and O's be at the very tip top like because you, don't, you need like someone to set the culture, make the brand for yourself, figure out what you want your football program to be, find yourself like in this world and say hey we're this and we're gonna be this and then the people underneath you kind of do the like nitty-gritty like down to the second you know what we're doing as far as gameplay not the coaches aren't involved in that but not like in the traditional sense like they have been for the last eighty-five thousand years yeah um, agreed. other schools making a splash the u ed reed got hired as the chief of staff at yep. the university of miami um, it's going to be an advisory role that will include strategic planning, quality control, player evaluation, and player development. Which is all just, I don't even, like, he's going to be a coach, basically. <laughs> so he's just going to be an assistant coach uh, at the University of Miami, and they'll stick his face on the side of the stadium. Um, and every time you see a video of Miami's locker room over the next year or however long Ed Reed is there, it will be Ed Reed in it somewhere. Like, this is a big PR stunt for Miami, but this is also a situation where this quote-unquote PR stunt could actually work. Because kids these days, like, in a world where everything is done online, like, when you find something that's genuine, and Ed Reed's love for the U is certainly genuine, and he can preach that to you, and you can visibly see it. Like, you just don't find that right now. Like, that isn't everywhere. Like, it's, we, it is certainly not here at the University of South Carolina where your entire coaching staff came from the University of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you can tie a f someone huge to your program to come sit in your living room and say, look, I went here. I've done this. And it, it wasn't even that long ago. Like, yeah, it was 20 years ago, but it's not like 50 years ago. Yeah. Like, most of these coaches, you know, like Nick Saban's 70 years old. Like, he hasn't been in college. He was in college. 50 years ago. Right, right. Like, it's, Ed Reed is, I know the things that are happening in football because I just left football. Like, I, I know all these things that your kid needs to know to help him be successful. And to you as a parent, like, you watch me play, you know the kind of person I am, you have your opinion about me, now I want to tell you about the University of Miami in a way that most people just can't. And I'm trying to pass you the keys that how it's done. It's like literally I'll be there with you to try to help you us get that thing reestablished. Also, Luther Campbell, did you see 30 for 30 to you? 
part uh, one yes, and part two? Yes, absolutely. So you know about Luther Campbell. He was like the hip hop icon in yes. that Miami uh, in that Miami area during that time. He made an interesting uh, I think it was a tweet. I'm happy for the University of Miami hiring uh, Reed in any capacity. But the thing that he kind of emphasized was that they still have to address the real issue, which is a coach that uh, knows how to recruit the inner city of Miami. And yeah, he said a couple other things, but this is a big topic I wanted to talk about because it's like it's a different thing. We're going into those Liberty cities, like places where Chad Johnson, Antonio Brown, those guys are. Because a lot of yeah. times those guys come from rough areas and stuff, so they got a little edge to them. I was just listening to what your sinker talk about going to school in Miami. To, yeah, like in it, high school. it's not like the same. And so, like how most coaches might look at that guy and be like, "Oh, he, he's too rough. Like we can't do that." You need a guy that can kind of go in there and pick and choose here and there, kind of talk to those guys. Maybe somebody who's been around that situation growing up or something like that. So that is definitely, I think, getting Ed Reed is a, a move in the right direction. But a lot of times, those great U teams had, were getting those guys, and they might Absolutely. be a little rough around the edges. But one thing to also, you have to I love think that about, was maybe rough around the edges is maybe the nicest thing you can say about the U teams that. Were we're good. <laughs> but, but it's like one thing you can think about a lot of times, I don't know about nowadays, but those guys are very hardworking and they're very big on like loyalty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, nowadays, I don't it's know. Like the whole, with the whole social media generate things have changed a little bit. Uh, guys think they're better than they are. A lot of times they get on campus, but those guys had such a level of respect running through that program. It's like, you're not going to come here and cheat it. Like, you're going to have to deal with me. We ain't even going to get to the coach. You're going to have to deal with me. So I think that'll be interesting to see who they continue to hire and also how much they kind of take that into consideration because it's like you – a lot of the really great, a lot of really great talent kind of leaves the state or leaves the city of Miami if you're not getting those inner city schools. See, the thing I like about Manny Diaz, who is the current coach at, at Miami, is a if you're a Miami fan, like Miami fans seem to like him. Yeah. Miami players seem to like him. He's making moves like this and connecting with old Miami uh, players. Like everything around him, like seems to be likable. Do I think it's going to help Miami? No, I don't. I think they're going to be 7-5 and five at best next year. And if they ever do see the light of day in the ACC championship game again, they're going to get crushed by Clemson, who is going to be good for years and years to come, um, or until Dabo takes a job at Alabama. and Or Florida State's going to be good again. Like, they'll swing back. And Miami's. I don't know if they're ever going to – I don't think they're ever going to be back, like, ever. No. Ever. I, think that, I think that is gone. Like, you're never going to see that again. Because when kids turn on the TV now, you're 18, you have never seen the University of Miami be good at football. Like, so you, Ed Reed, as much as, like I just said, you can tell me what it's like and you can tell me it's good. You can preach your dream to me, but I never saw your dream. But if I look at Clemson, I could see it. Like, if Sammy Watkins is sitting in my living room and he's telling me about what it was like at Clemson, and then I can look and turn on my TV and the number one team, uh, or the the second best or the best, however you want to say it, it's them in Alabama in the college football playoff era. For the last five years of my life, I've been watching Clemson play in college football playoff every year. Like, that's visible to me. Yeah, you yeah. cannot recruit on that level. And that is the level you have to recruit on to win championships. Yeah. So it's, to me, I just don't think, like, as much as this is a good step for the U, it's never going to be enough for them. Yeah, because one could say it's like uh, nowadays it's kind of like how you say about Alabama. It's like you got to well, in any team in the SEC West, you have to win the SEC West just to get to the championship game. Well, okay, you might win the Coastal, you know, in um, the ACC, but you still got to beat Clemson, yeah, and like you're otherwise, you're not even getting to the playoff, whatever the case may be. So, like you said, this is probably good for them, but it's probably not going to get them over the hump, and I don't know what would. No, I, I mean, a miracle. Um, but I think if the U win 10 games next year, like most their fans are happy. And winning 10 games in the ACC is not that hard. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, we can, we see, we've seen it happen. Like, teams that win ACC, 10 games in the ACC don't always, like, that doesn't equate. We're seeing it happen all the time in the Big 12 to Oklahoma every year. Like, they win 10, 11, 12 games and they fall flat on their face. Like, you see with Notre Dame over the last few years where they played five or six ACC games a year. And they steamroll through that, and they fall flat on their face when they play Georgia or uh, a college ball playoff semifinal team. Like, it's just – it's not the same. Like, it's a championship level. Um, not to mention, if you win the ACC, uh, even if you lose it to Clemson, you're probably going to get an automatic bid, like just like kind of how Virginia got this year. And also – To a New Year's Six game, yeah. Yeah, and then also uh, – Like, just you get beaten that. Like, you, it makes you look worse for the next year. So, yeah. like, it, it, like, Virginia – Virginia actually had a decent performance this year, but they're still like you're like all right. Well, it's they're Virginia. Like we don't respect them going next year. Um, the interesting, the one technical thing I will say about Ed Reed is 
only 10 coaches per team can recruit from what I've been reading about this, the whole NCAA situation, like how they're going to be able to use him. So Miami, I think, is going to have to designate him as a recruiter, which would be a smart move. Yeah, I, w- I can't think of anybody else. Just off of like, hey, I made Reed, like that's it. You're telling me the 10th guy on your staff is not as good as a recruiter as Ed Reed just by walking in the door and saying, hey, I'm Ed Reed. Yeah. Like, I, I think that'll happen, like in some capacity. I don't know what all kind of NCAA hoops they got to jump through to make that happen, but they should focus on it. Uh, getting on to in this player talk now, Jordan Birch. So he visited LSU last week. This is South Carolina's number one, the number one a recruit in the state of South Carolina, number seven overall, I believe, um, right now in 24-7. I don't know what he is on ESPN, something similar. Uh, he visited LSU last week, which I think we talked about for a split second on air, and I was like, you should be worried. Well, you should be, but if you're a <laughs> South Carolina fan. But he did come to South Carolina this weekend on his official visit, and they had him wear number seven. He was wearing number seven. Which is a lot of hype to come into. I always hate it for guys whenever they do that. Usually they call him the next colony, but we're going to go ahead and give you the number seven. So it's like produce quickly. I, you know what? I, I've been thinking about it since I've seen it, right? So he goes in, and the way it works at South Carolina and most schools around the country now is when you're a recruit that goes on an official visit, like they give you the jersey, like you put it on, you take a bunch of pictures in a, in a, film, like a film room or whatever, a photo booth. Uh, there yeah, we go. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Um, in front of a green screen and throw a bunch of cool graphics up. What up? Uh, Jordan Birch got the number seven, which, like, if you were a college football fan, you remember number seven for South Carolina and Jadavion Clowney. Like, that is the biggest recruit to ever come to this school and probably that ever will. He came <laughs> out number one. Like, it just doesn't – not even not saying that South Carolina can't, never, can never get a number one recruit in the nation again. You're never going to – J.D. Clowney doesn't exist. Like, yeah. he's he's one of a kind. Um, he came in number one out of high school. He was one of the most dominant high schools, South Carolina high school uh, football players that South Carolina high school football has ever seen. Uh, he came out of, like, college number one pick in the NFL draft, and he's been pretty damn good in the NFL. Like, if he could stay away from injury, like, you could be talking about a multiple-time defensive player of the year at this point, but he just hasn't been able to stay away from that yet. But he's still, like, that is, you don't get Jadavion Clowney good, like, every year. Jadavion Clowney was probably the best recruit out of high school in the last, like, 15, 20 years. And can play right at coming right out. Like, didn't have to sit there and redshirt. Like, he played right away. And also, uh, in practice, I remember they used to have to tell him, like, hey, chill out. We got to get some stuff done. Yeah. Like, you don't have those kind of guys just floating around here. Use one leg today. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. You used to go to those practices? No, no, I didn't. But I would always, like, read clowny, like, clowny notes from practice. Like, seeing reporters talk about that was, it was just hilarious because he's a different animal. Like, you just don't get that. Um, and is Jordan Birch going to be that? No. Like, no offense to Jordan Birch. Like, you're just not going to be Jamie Clowney. Like, you got to go be Jordan Birch. There you go. That's very well. But, that's a like, very you're, good way you're just it. never going to be. But I think the number seven thing is cool. Like, if Clowney's going to hand that down to him, like, that is cool. I think it should always have to come from Clowney, though. Yeah. Until, like, unless Jordan Birch is really good and he goes top ten overall, then number seven comes from Jordan Birch. You definitely. Like, it's, you know, at, at South Carolina, kind of how LSU has the number seven, in, mostly in their defensive backfield. Uh, for their defense, like that's kind of a cool, like the number thing. LSU does a number thing in like every sport. In baseball, it's eight. Football, it's seven. I don't know what. I'm sure they got a softball, basketball, everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a cool little storyline to keep continuing. But do you think Clowney has talked to him at all? That's what I was. I don't really get the sense that Clowney does too much with no. the university. I, it was kind of like y'all were a stepping stool. I mean, I might come back occasionally. Maybe he. Uh, I know he has that group chat with all them guys with him towards See, those guys were tight, but the university isn't as tight as they should be with those guys. Yeah, so I don't really get the feel that he does. Uh, no, that's what I was saying about Ed Reed. Like you don't see that here. This is what the University of South Carolina is missing. It does not have a strong connection yeah, with its football alumni. Like Alshon Jeffrey, Davian Clowney, like Marcus Mark Sodomore's here's a lot. Connor Shaw's here's a lot. All of those guys off of all of those 2010, 2011, 2012 teams should be in here every weekend. They should be on your Snapchat, on your Twitter, on what TikTok, Instagram. They should be putting out messages all the time, preaching to the University of South Carolina. 
and you just don't have that here. Yeah, and it really and that hurts. That is why I think the Ed Reed to Miami is a different level as far as recruiting goes. And it really hurts you, especially when school in the upstate, they have plenty of that going on too. Dabo kind of invites those guys back. They have permanent lockers Yeah, in the uh, football facility. Yeah, so those guys are coming all the time. So definitely some things that we have to uh, move towards. Speaking of, uh, so signing day is tomorrow. That's the last thing I was going to say on Birch. Signing day is tomorrow. Do you think he's coming to South Carolina? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he went to LSU, but I think he'll probably go ahead and come. I, I saw they were all at his basketball game too, right? Yep. Yeah. No, so I, think, I, I think he's he was at the basketball game with Muschamp, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I think he will be coming to the University of South Carolina. It's just kind of because of like his visit around LSU, he didn't make any he didn't make it look any more special than the visit at the University of South Carolina. Uh, it's so I just have no reason to believe that he's going to LSU other than that LSU is just a better team. Yeah. Um, right now, like, well, we'll see. I know I think he's coming would be happy for getting him and Huntley on paper, like signed yeah, off. Yeah, like, that needs good. to happen. So I can move on to the next class. Uh, speaking of the school in the upstate, though, you just mentioned them. Chase Bryce, their backup, former backup quarterback, is transferring to Duke. Uh, shocked me. I was thinking that maybe he's going there, A, for early play time, B, to be under Cutcliffe, you know, quarterback guru, yes. go there. Uh, think this will be his last year, if I'm not mistaken. See, I would also wonder, is it too late for those guys to transfer now? Like, will they head there this summer? Or how does that work? Because I know guys can it depends go there when you graduate on the portal. Yeah. It, it, like, so I know... I think he's going now. I don't really know, actually. He is gra- if he, gra- he graduated in December. Yeah. So, yeah, he's probably there now. Uh, but I know the weird thing with Feaster was Feaster was in the transfer portal, but he still had to take classes at Clemson over the summer to graduate so he could come to South Carolina. So he didn't get to South Carolina until, like, a week before football season started. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's – I'm pretty sure he's, he's there and he's rolling. He'll be in spring ball. So what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I just thought it was – I mean, I just wanted to see him play. I was just kind of upset that – I mean, I said that to you earlier. Like, when you sent it to me, his announcement was like, crap, like, he's going to Duke. Like, I don't want to go to Duke. Like <laughs> – I wanted to see if he was going to be any good, and now he's going to be a Duke. And, like, while I do like Duke football, and I think it's cool when they win, and it's kind of fun, like, it's like they're, like, you know, like your neighbors or your 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 brother's kid or something when they come over. It's fun, but, like, you want to just give it back at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. You don't really want anything else to do with it. Like, that's kind of Duke. Like, they're your buddies or your brother's kid. Like, you have them over, entertain them for a little while, like, have fun with them, and just send them back. Like, you don't really want any part of that day-to-day. Yeah. Every week. That's like once a month you turn on Duke football. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to watch Duke football for Chase Bryce. Whereas if Chase Bryce went to – I mean, I know the spot just got filled at, with Felipe Franks. But if he went to Arkansas, yeah. I, would, I mean, that, that's SEC bias, too. Like, I'm going to watch Arkansas anyway. But Chase Bryce at Arkansas, like, yeah, I'm going to turn that on um, even more. Know. But, like, even like just a, just some school with that wasn't Duke. Yeah, not in the more. ACC. I want to see him out of the ACC. Is what I'm SEC, getting at. SEC, maybe in a Vandy or something like that. Also, not even the SEC, just out of the ACC. Okay, I understand. It. But yeah, so now it's also going to be interesting to see who Clemson has in the backup role, who went to job in spring practice. You know, they have a whole bunch of. They got the DJ kid. They have they have a lot of really good quarterbacks. Yeah, in everyone under the sun. All right, uh, last thing here, last player, KJ Costello uh, announced six thirty Monday um, that he is transferring from Stanford to Mississippi State. This is Mike Leach's first big get, right, for Mississippi State. You have a quarterback who's kind of proven himself. He's 6'5", 222. Former top 50 national recruit. Over his career, he's thrown for 6,151 yards and 489 touchdowns. So, stop right there on the touchdowns. I saw, I'm reading his numbers. I was like, damn, he's thrown for 49 touchdowns. And I stopped for a second. Joe Burrow threw for 50 this year. That, that's crazy. So, and Costello's thrown, what, he's been there, I think he played two, started two years, and he threw 49. Like, Joe Burrow threw for 50 this year. That's how crazy his season was. That ain't happening no time soon. But, yeah, going well, yeah, like, he's, what, 49 touchdowns to 18 picks. Uh, so, a pretty good pickup for Mike Leach. Um, this was, is a quarterback's dream offense. Most definitely. Like, and then you get to go do an SEC with some really good competition. He's going to have a big arm, 6'5". Yeah, most definitely. How much do you weigh? Uh, 220, 220, yeah. 222, I think. Can he move a little bit? I haven't really seen too much. Uh, I, so I saw Stanford play one game this year, um, and I really don't remember anything that stuck out to me in particular in that game about KJ Costello. And I kind of like, when I walked in, Brendan asked me, he's like, what do you, how much do you know about KJ Costello? I was like, well, not a lot, other than the fact that I know his name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, but the, I think the more important thing is like, it's Mike Leach, like making a guy, if you, 
The thing is, if you watch football in the South and you know the guy on the left coast's name, like he's got to be somewhat good. So yeah. here you go, and excluding Justin Herbert. Like we all know about Justin Herbert at Oregon, um, who will probably be going to the top fifteen this year in the, in the draft, but it's not the top ten. But yeah, it's like it's a big get for him because you need a quarterback in that offense, and you look at the past quarterbacks that Leach has had in the last three or four years. Gardner Minshew, grad transfer, Anthony Gordon this year, senior. Like, it's all older guys yeah. who know that system or who transfer in and learn that system very quickly. Uh, so this will this will be – it'll be interesting to see what he – like, I'm so excited for Leach to be letting it rip in the SEC next year. Like, now, like, I don't have to stay up till 10 o'clock to watch him when they're not playing on Friday night. That sucks. Like, I've watched, I think, probably seven of Washington State's games this year. Uh, but it's always on like the Pac-12 network, and you, which I can't get on my TV. I have to look for it on my phone. So it's <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's nice to have Leach just in the SEC where I can turn him on on Saturday at three o'clock, four o'clock, uh, and, and just watch him rip. Uh, and also, you'd probably be able to watch him a little bit on what used to be CBS, but the SEC did not renew that contract with CBS, correct? Yeah, but I think they still have it for this year. So okay. it's, I think they still have it for like two years, actually. Maybe twenty twenty three. I could be confusing that with another date. But yeah, the SEC is going to ABC. I really like years. it. I like ABC coverage. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know? I don't. I don't. I don't. Because I, I know I'm gonna have just. I don't want. I. I. I just don't want. I love ABC ESPN's coverage, but also to say I think it's gonna be very interesting to see how different this campus is from Miss uh, Stanford, Mississippi State. Because you know uh, Stella comes from the Stanford style campus. Is that in third? He's a grad. He's a grad transfer. Um, to Mississippi State. It's yeah. So, barbecue. All things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I would make sure you got your education while you're at Stanford. <laughs> you're probably not going to get a lot of it at Mississippi State. Uh, but that's going to be that's going to be it for the lead block. So pay attention to recruiting. Signing day is Wednesday. Big things happen for the University of South Carolina with Jordan Birch. So there's still like while we talked about early in the season when we had the middle of December signing day. Yeah. For South Carolina anyway, there's a lot on the line Wednesday. Um, so pay attention to that, and we will see you again on what's today. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. So and we will see you on Friday. Peace. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.